my name is Rob Edwards, and this, it's my podcast. Welcome back, one and all, to episode 32 of Storycast Rob, uh, being recorded in December 2018 and hopefully released uh, fairly soon afterwards. Uh, So if you are of a mind to celebrate Christmas, let me say Happy Christmas to you as a starting point. Uh, We're back with a full-length podcast episode this week, this month, uh, after a slightly... um, shorter curtailed version Uh, last time it's a full-length story today it's brand new uh, and it is quite exciting because this story i'm reading you today uh, called law three is available as part of a brand new anthology called somebody save me it's a superhero anthology uh, being released uh, on the day this podcast comes out so you should be able to find on amazon right now Uh, there are 12 uh, superhero stories in the book, including mine. Uh, I've not read them all yet, actually, I'll be honest. I, I'm saving uh, the rest of them uh, for my flight home for Christmas. But the ones I have read, I really enjoyed. So I'm looking forward to the rest of the book. And I recommend it to you, my faithful listeners, as well. So it is called Somebody Save Me, a superhero anthology. And it should be available on Amazon right now. Uh, uh, if I get Uh, the link for it, uh, I shall put it in the description of this uh, uh, podcast, so you can go straight buy a copy if you feel the urge. Uh, Before we get to the actual story for today, uh, just a little bit of Inklings news. Uh, We are coming towards the end of the submissions window uh, for Inklings Press's next anthology, which will be fantasy-based. We've had a flood of submissions for this uh, anthology and there are some really fantastic stories uh, that I I think we're going to get to include in it which is going to be marvellous if you listen to this podcast when it comes out there is still some time to submit submissions close at the end of December uh, and then we have uh, the big tough decision about which stories we're going to keep and which ones uh, we are sadly going to have to put to one side Uh, But uh, that's all part of the process, all part of the fun. So I'm really looking forward to that. Okay, enough news and preamble time to get on to the story. (laughs) I will just say ahead of it, uh, it is a superhero story. I felt that it needed to be uh, American. Uh, I do not attempt an American accent for the narration uh, of the story. But I do attempt an American accent, or several different American accents, uh, for the characters in the story. And they are just as good quality as any of the accents you've ever heard me attempt on this podcast. So I do feel the need, before the story starts, to apologise for them. Uh, But I hope it's part of the fun. I hope you get a kick out of hearing me do very, very bad American accents. Uh, But here is the story. Law 3 by Rob Edwards The latch on the skylight, slick with my blood, slipped through my fingers. A wave of searing pain burst across my stomach and I fell, unable to stay airborne. I rolled over on the roof tiles and landed flat on my back. Agony cut into my side with each ragged breath. I reached back above my head and fumbled blindly for the latch again. My fingertips brushed its hard edge. I squeezed my eyes shut, tried to block out the pain, ignoring explosions of black and red inside my eyelids. Focus. Focus. 
I twisted my wrist, but again the latch slipped away from me. No, no, I'm not going to die on this rooftop, not when I'm so close. The latch turned. The skylight swung in and down. Yes. I put one hand on the window edge, rolling onto my stomach. My wounds split. Fresh, hot blood smeared against the tiles. Can't be helped. Push on. My boots scraped as I fought for purchase. Inch by tortured inch, I pulled myself up and over the lip of the skylight. As I toppled through, I focused enough to slow my descent, enough, at least, that the fall didn't finish me. The cabinet was across the other side of the room. If I can just... But it might as well have been on the moon. The last of my strength was spent. I could lift buses, but now I could barely lift my head. Cody! My voice rattled in my throat. My call no more than a whisper. I tried again. Cody! Come on, Professor Hartwell, it's this way. He shouted his reply, beckoned me on. No, wait. This isn't now, this is before. The day was bright, the sky a broad, endless blue overhead. The jagged cliff face fell away to the sea on my right and rose sheer and imposing on my left. The ledge was wide enough to walk, but narrow enough to require attention. In here, Cody said. He squeezed himself through a narrow cleft in the rock face. I approached more tentatively. My research assistant was younger, fitter, thinner than me. If he struggled to get through, I was likely to be sacrificing a skin to the sharp rock. You're sure this is worth it, Cody? Oh, yeah. The gap was much wider near its base. I knelt on the ledge, steadying myself with my hands. I ducked down, got on all fours, and crawled into the cave. The space inside was bigger than I'd expected, much bigger, and lighter too, as shafts of daylight pierced cracks all along the wall. At the centre of the cave, a vast tree grew, one unlike any I'd ever seen. The massive trunk was oak-like, but its leaves were thick and meaty with a purple sheen to them. The tree held my attention only until I realised what it was growing out of. Something mechanical, metallic, manufactured. It was hard to tell what it had been, but whatever it was, it was big. The size of a house, easily, but collapsed in on itself. It's a spaceship, Cody stated, grinning broadly, running a hand through his shaggy, sandy hair. Don't be ridiculous, I said. Don't believe me? Come inside, you'll see. He clambered up the side to where two panels of its shell didn't quite meet. We can get through here, but careful, there's some sharp edges. Cody, wait. But he vanished from view. Inside, it was hard to dispute Cody's supposition. The interior, though broken, twisted and distended, was utilitarian and hard-edged. Though it might be dangerous to impose our cultural view upon its creators, it didn't feel very homey. A vehicle, then, or something industrial. There was no sign of anything identifiable as an engine as such, but glimpses of the technology in the walls, on the ceilings. It was like nothing I'd ever seen before, so perhaps I was simply not recognising it. More than once, I stopped, my attention arrested by some device or other, 
but I didn't want to lose Cody, and his footsteps echoed on ahead. I caught up to him in the central chamber, its contents buckled and ruptured by the trunk of the strange tree. Cody was standing by a box, or cabinet, or... It looked like a coffin to my eyes, but again, I shouldn't prejudge a culture I didn't know. It's alien, right? said Cody. I don't think we can be certain of that yet, I said. Although, yes, I've seen nothing like it before. It's certainly suggestive, but we shouldn't draw conclusions before we have all the data. Cody nodded. Uh Uh-huh, sure, makes sense. Would this datum help? He lifted the lid of the cabinet. Professor! Cody rushed to my side. Professor, Tom, are you alive? Oh, that's right. I'm bleeding out in his laugh. I choked out a laugh. Funny the things that slip your mind, I rasped. Oh, thank God, what happened? My head was like mud, slow, memories wallowing out of reach or surfacing unbidden. I discovered something important. Why was it so difficult to... Leviathan! That witch, Cody asked. Don't you worry, Professor. We'll get you in the cabinet, sort you right out. No. Why does that feel wrong? Isn't that why I'm here? I can't leave you like this. I can call an ambulance, but... He trailed off. He didn't have to say it. I knew. The cabinet could save me. Again. But each time I went in, I came out different. Best guess, I said. It was supposed to help out the explorers adapt to new environments. How? I brushed takeout containers off the schematics, sifted through them until I found the one I wanted. There were far too many question marks. I don't know, I said. That is, if you mean what does it do, I think it fundamentally overhauls the genetic code of the occupant to let it breathe the local air, survive the local bacteria, heal wounds and the like. Probably makes the explorer stronger and more durable, too. If you mean, how does it do any of that? It might as well be magic. The principles involved here are beyond me. I wish the other one had survived the crash, Cody said for the thousandth time. There were enough fragments in the wreckage to be sure there were originally at least two of the cabinets on the alien craft, and there was no question now that it was alien. The technology was like nothing of Earth, and the desiccated corpse in the cabinet had never been human. It had crumbled to dust moments after Cody opened the case. I wish now, but there was nothing to be done about that. We've taken this as far as we can, I said. We need other people to look at it, fresh eyes, other disciplines, to see what we can't. Cody's shoulders slumped. I know. I wish we'd been able to do more. We've made good progress, Cody. Laid important groundwork, but it's time. Don't worry, the world won't forget our efforts. There is one thing we haven't done, he said. Something that would get our names associated with it forever. No. Oh, come on, Professor, just once. You said you'd isolated the inputs. I have faith. I trust our work. Just once. To prove it does what we think? Absolutely not, I said. We are years away from animal testing. I'm certainly not putting a human in that thing until... Professor? Do you hear sirens? I asked. 
There aren't any sirens. Cody dragged me across the loft towards the cabinet. It was his only choice, and I knew it. There are. There's a, a fire. Some kids are trapped on the top floor, I said. No, Professor, that was years ago, remember? It's why you went into the cabinet the first time. The firefighters couldn't reach them. Can't let you, Cody. My responsibility, my risk. I heard his voice, but not his words. He was talking from a long way away. Or the headset was on the blink again. I tapped the earpiece. Confirmed it is Leviathan, said Cody, through a crackle of static. I gunned the throttle, swerved around the police car. Where is she? News puts her on the rear side of the Robinson Bridge, said Cody in my earpiece. The new headset was smaller and much more comfortable under my mask, but still needed work. She's ripped off the top of an ambulance. I pulled, left, hard, fought to keep the back wheel under control. I see her. The dusty grey rag she wore hid her shape. As she crouched on what was left of the roof of the ambulance, one black-wrapped hand reaching inside, dust or smoke billowed forth. Her black mask and deep hood hid her face, but didn't block the manic, gleeful laugh. Leviathan, mother of diseases. There was no telling what hideous plague she was dousing the ambulance crew with. I had to take her down fast. Sorry, Cody. Oh, no, man, not the bike again. I accelerated, arrow straight towards her. She raised her head. I slammed on the brakes. The back of the bike bucked, and I let the momentum carry me away towards her. I flipped, tucked into a ball, and snapped out a kick. My foot buried deep into her mask, and the two of us stumbled off the ambulance together. We rolled over and over on the asphalt, fell apart as we both came to our feet, then faced each other. You are interfering with the natural order, Bastion, she sang. All must decay, all must die. This is my calling. You called me. She flexed her fingers and her claws extended. Your ideology is twisted. Your action's horrific. I must stop you, Leviathan. She vaulted towards me, claws green and glistening. But I stepped forward, caught her wrists before she could bring them to bear. Sorry, Leviathan. You need to be quicker than that. She fought me, twisting her shoulders, trying to throw me off. But fast and deadly as she was, I was stronger. If I could just keep her until the police could catch us up. Nothing can resist my children, she cackled, her voice distorted and cracking. We'll see about that. She took a deep breath, then exhaled a cloud of smoke, caught me full in the face. My stomach turned. My strength vanished. Leviathan laughed slipped her hands from my suddenly feeble grasp, bent her knees and leaped upwards. Cody, I said. Yeah? Cody, she just flew away. Flew? With a plane or a jetpack? My stomach heaved, my skin felt cold then hot, my knees buckled. No, just flew. Get back here. Let's send you through the cabinet again. Maybe I can find a setting that can duplicate that so you can chase her next time. Yeah. Soon as I... I can. I was suddenly very glad my mask didn't cover my mouth. Stay with me, Professor, said Cody. This time was different. I felt weak, certainly, and the blood loss wasn't helping, but there was something in my head.
What had Leviathan done to me? Why couldn't I think straight? Was I experiencing now, then? Was the time with Cody in his loft reality, or another layer of memory obliterating any sense of the true now? Why was I so sure I'd learned something about Leviathan, something important? Why wouldn't it come? How did she beat you, Professor? What do you need? More speed? Strength? We need to up your toughness again, looks like. The cabinet was a miracle. I'd long since abandoned any hope of understanding it. It had done things to my body that defied explanation, not merely adapting to dangerous environments, but granting powers that could not be. The sonar I'd gained to fight in Vizior could be construed as an adaptation like bats have, but nothing could explain my ability to defy gravity and fly, or the ice beam I could generate ever since fighting Thermal. Even my enhanced speed seemed simple enough, but if you stop to think about the physics of it, I should have been burnt to a crisp or crushed like a bug when I use it. I was a walking, no, flying, catalogue of impossibilities. My mind, I said. Cody hesitated. We can. We agreed. You made me agree. There's no telling what would happen if we put this thing to your brain. No avoiding it. Leviathan did something. The edges of my vision darkened. I shivered at the sudden chill in the room. My powers had gotten stranger to match my opponents. I was the first powered being on the planet, but it seemed like my debut had opened the floodgates. More and more supervillains, and the occasional superhero, had emerged in the five years since I'd first stepped into the cabinet. "'Do you ever worry you might be the cause?' asked Rebecca, her microphone thrust towards me. She was wearing her professional face, perfect makeup, her dark eyes flashing, her hair falling in bronze waves to her shoulders. No, wait, I didn't even know her name then. I hovered a few feet off the ground as the police bundled obstrosity into a paddy wagon. I'm sorry, miss. Rebecca Randall, Falcon City News? Do you think the obstrosity would have terrorized the city if you hadn't been here? I'm just glad I was here to help, Ms. Randall. And I want the people of Falcon City to know that Bastion will always be here to look out for them. And what the people of Falcon City want to know is did Bastion just refer to himself in third person? I stifled a laugh. I think perhaps he did. Nice to meet you, Miss Randall. I saluted her and flew away, grinning like an idiot. I let myself into Cody's loft again through the skylight. Hey, hey, Professor, said Cody. I just saw Bastion on the news. Did I see some sparks there between you and that reporter lady? I'm sure he has no idea what you mean, I said. <laughs> you go, prof. I sobered. The bad news is, we were right. Oh, no. The lobstrosity was really David Bruce from the Marine Biology Department. Yes. He was a friend of yours, wasn't he? I screamed my throat ragged. The cabinet was always painful and worse when I was injured. But this, this was like nothing I could explain. My muscles spasmed, my skin burned as flesh knit together again. Joints popped, bones cracked and reset. Agony tore across every nerve ending. Electricity and lemon juice, the smell of sulphur. Cody stepped back from the controls, protecting his eyes with an arm as the cabinet sparked and strobed. His clothes were covered in my blood from manhandling me into the cabinet. 
After an eternity, the pain subsided. I stood in the cabinet, panting, exhausted, but each breath of sweet air was painless. My mind, though, my thoughts still hung about me like lead weights pulling my mind into the past. We stood across the cliffs looking out to sea, feeling alone in the world. The moon hung gibbous in the sky, the night air was warm, but we huddled together anyway. I've been practising, I said. Oh yes, Rebecca asked, snuggling close. Does that mean Main Street might survive your next battle with Lord Negativity? I expect not, no. I've been practising with my ice beam. Watch. I held out a hand and focused. Tiny particles of ice coalesced mid-air, sparkling in the moonlight. I bit my lip, twisted my hand, and more ice formed, connecting, spiralling, folding in and around itself, forming a three-dimensional shape. Impressive, she said. Wait, almost done. This was the tricky bit. I needed to do more than create ice. I needed to play with the crystal structure just so. In a blink, the ice transformed from a rime-frosted indistinct shape to an intricate, fragile, crystal-clear rose. I reached out, plucked it from the air and passed it to her. Wow, thank you. She shifted, leaned forward, her lips seeking mine, but I put a hand on her shoulder. She retreated, confused. I lifted my hands to my mask, pulled it up over my head. Hello, my name is Tom Hartwell. She smiled, achingly beautiful. I know. I laughed, and we shared our first kiss with honesty, in the moonlight above a cave with an alien spaceship in it. The perfect moment slipped from my mind, and the cabinet closed in around me again. Cody snapped his fingers in front of my face. Stay with me, big guy. What's wrong? Can't think. Can't focus. She really did a number on you, eh? My vision blurred, made his face melt and twist as he spoke. My grip on the moment loosening. My lucid moments were growing shorter. Fix me, Cody, I pleaded. Listen to me said Cody. I hovered above the city, listening for the screams. The troop was staying together for now, which meant I could concentrate on keeping people out of their way. But it was a short-term solution at best. Talk quickly, I said. The vampiric chimpanzees are on the move again, and if they stick on this course, they hit downtown in about twenty minutes. Our lives will never be normal again, will they? Cody asked. Probably not. I could create an ice wall, block off a street here or there, slow them down, divert them, but if I wasn't careful, they could just go over. Fighting the whole troop would be crazy, Cody said. Fast as you are, it only takes one monkey fang to find its mark, and we have a super-powered primate vampire. I don't know if the cabinet can bring you back from that or not, but I do know I have no idea how I would get you into the cabinet. So what do we do? If the vampire law holds true, maybe all we need to do is take down the sire. The vampirate? Count Chimpula. Not helping. Right, sorry. Cody composed himself. 
Is there any obvious leader in the troop itself? Not that I've seen. I figured. I think we need to backtrack. Work out where the troop came from. My money says that's where we'll find Vlad the Chimpaler. Ouch. You do know that letting the cabinet work on your brain might hurt you even more than body work. Cody asked. Might not, though. We don't know. For God's sake, Tom, we don't know anything about this. The person that comes out of the other end of this process might not even be human anymore. It could change your memories, your attitudes. You might not care about people. Set the controls, Cody, or I will come out there and set them myself. And right now, I have no confidence in my ability to set them correctly. But that's the point. We don't know what correctly might look like. Even our best guess, you run the risk of losing your mind, your emotions. Think of Rebecca. I roared. She's already gone. What? Her news van was parked outside the hospital, back doors open. The arm of a body caught in the door. Tony, Rebecca's cameraman, shriveled and twisted. I almost didn't recognize him. Sam, her sound engineer, was barely holding on slumped in her chair in the van. Talk to me, Sam. Where's Rebecca? Leviathan. Her voice rattled in her throat. Where? The city streets blurred past. I paid them no mind, fixated on the retreating back of Leviathan. Six times we'd fought, six times I'd beaten her, but she'd escaped every time. Not this time. On she flew, a spectre of death in grey rags, her face lost in the depths of her hood. In her wake, a cloud of disease, wherever she went, sickness followed her. No sign of Rebecca, and I couldn't spare the time to be subtle. No telling where she was, or how she was suffering. I needed to take Leviathan now. I held my breath, and accelerated through her disease cloud. I felt bacteria and viruses settle on my skin. No exaggeration. The cabinet gave me hypersensitivity to fight the imperceptible empire. But that was a worry for later. I reached out as she made a turn down Main Street. As she cornered, she drifted too close to the Giffen building. A blast of ice pinned her to the wall. Where is she? I demanded. You won't find her like that, Leviathan laughed, puffed out a dense cloud of bacteria. My head spun, my skin prickled with sweat. I couldn't afford to give in to the illness, not until I knew Rebecca was safe. I flew close, levelled a punch at the wall beside her head, concrete shattered. My word, Bastion, aren't you strong? Very impressive. But you should know, I can break things too. The ice around her fractured, splintered, and she lunged forwards, the clawed tips of her fingers raking wide gashes across my stomach. She spun away from me, floating, laughing. Ice minus bacteria, wondrous things, quite the party trick. I've been working on it for a while now. I held my arm across my stomach, searing pain radiated outwards from the scratches there, and the wound seemed to deepen as more bacteria ate away at my flesh. My senses contracted, sounds deadened, vision blurred. I lost the sensation of the bacteria on my skin. What have you done to me? Time, causality, memory, thought. It all unraveled. Now, Cody, before it's too late, I roared. It's always those closest to you, isn't it? Who said that?
I stood in a cave, an impossible tree at my back. My old friend David, the lobstrosity, crashed through the wall and crashed out again. I stood on the cliff, crafting a rose to give to Leviathan. Chimpanzees ate my legs. "'You will never defeat me!' shouted Lord Negativity, cackling with glee. I floated above Main Street, blood seeping through my fingers. Leviathan drifted a few feet away. "'You want to know what I have done? I have saved the world. You can't do any more harm now, Bastion.' She brought her hands up to her hood. "'No,' I said. Something was very wrong. Something. She cast her hood back, pulled off the mask she wore beneath. "'Hallo. My name is Rebecca Randall.' "'Blink once if you're back in the room,' said Cody. I closed my eyes, opened them again. One moment followed the next. The universe displayed order, decaying, the inevitable march of entropy. My mind was clear, like waking naturally from a long sleep. Things were pinpoint sharp, clearer than they had been in a long time, since long before Leviathan infected me, clearer than they had been when I first stepped into the cabinet. Oh. Oh, of course, there were two cabinets. Yeah, said Cody. It took me a while to realize the significance of that, too. It really is more like magic than science, I think. But for all that, they would have gotten along with Newton. For every action. There is an equal and opposite reaction. Yeah. I do wonder if the explorers took turns. You know, on one planet, alien Jeff gets the buffs and alien Brian gets the banes. Then on the next planet, Jeff gets to huddle in the second cabinet, feeling woeful. I tried to move, but thick leather straps held me fast to the table. A simple flex of my arm should have torn the straps apart, but they didn't budge. I tried to summon ice to make them brittle. Nothing happened. What have you done to me? I asked. Pay attention. I'm telling you in a glorious villain monologue. Oh, you mean more recently? <laughs> Nothing at all. Those straps, on the other hand, contain fragments from the second cabinet, from the wreckage of the ship, the one that kept the Dark Explorer contained. You can't use your powers while bound by them. I know. I've tested them quite thoroughly. Yes, gasp. I used the cabinet on myself. I probably should have waited. I knew you were against trying the cabinet out, but... You left it in my loft, and I just couldn't resist. He loomed over me, eyes wide and wild, but something else too, a darkness, a shadow. I tried it even before you did. Five years I've been upgrading myself, but far less ostentatiously. Little Cody, the research assistant, I should thank you. Under your mentorship, I feel I've really grown. Your mentorship and an alien superpower device, anyway. What have you done to yourself, Cody? You sound unhinged. Let me out of these straps. We can work out a way to put this right, together. Oh, Professor, always with the instinct to help. Do you think you would have sought out the life of a superhero if you'd retained your natural acumen? You were easily lured down the path as it was. And each time I made you stronger, 
I understood the rules of the cabinet more clearly. It was a couple of years before I really understood that every time someone got improved by their cabinet, someone else suffered. Without the second cabinet, I never quite know who's going to get it. But as the cabinet has made me smarter, I understand now. I got lucky the first time. It latched onto you and made you slower. Sorry about that. I really didn't know. Not the first time, anyway. No, I said, horrified. Are you saying Rebecca was right? I was to blame for what happened to Dave and the rest. Well, I think as man of controls, I deserve some of the credit. But yes, each time you upgraded to defeat one villain, you created your next opponent. Twisted someone body, mind and soul to be your new opposite. Quite elegant from a job creation point of view. But why them? I asked. Horrible, isn't it? Together we've transformed your colleagues, your friends, your college roommate vacationing in Falcon City for the summer. You remember good old Tim? <laughs> we turned him into Colossosaur and he ate a school bus. <laughs> so sad. I'm surprised it's taken you this long to question why so many of the people you fought turned out to be connected to you. I think the magic seeks out those connections. Some karmic nonsense is my best guess. It's always those closest to you, isn't it? What did you say? You're a disease, Levita told me. You spread your infection to all those close to you, twisting us with powers, crippling our minds, calling out the darkness. And it's always those closest to you, isn't it? The memory was sharp, clear. I let Cody rant over me in the loft. What Leviathan said was important. I had to remember. We floated outside the Giffen building, me bleeding out, her unmasked. There was no fight left in me, and Rebecca, Leviathan, she just looked disappointed. Leviathan studied me, appraised me, shook her head. No, it isn't you, is it, Bastian? My poor sweet Tom. I thought I'd found the cause, the catalyst. Everything pointed to you. But as cancerous tumours go, you're practically benign. She spat the word like the greatest insult. Who is it, Tom? Who are you working with? Who did this to me? Cody. Your research assistant? He did this to me? I groaned, sank, couldn't stay aloft much longer. To us. Cody moved around behind me, standing by the cabinet. I twisted my neck as much as I could, but however I moved, he was out of sight. He was setting the cabinet controls again. The clicks and beeps were a familiar song, but whatever he was programming this time was more complex than I'd ever heard. I enjoyed watching you work, Professor. Bastion's exploits were very exciting, if occasionally ridiculous. If I could have kept you on a little longer, I would. I really am rather fond of you, but I know enough now, and I'm afraid you know too much. That won't do. The time for subtlety is done. One last upgrade to push my powers to the limit. What will it do to you? <laughs> I dread to think, but I doubt we'll talk again afterwards. It's just as we feared, isn't it? Just like you said, 
You let the cabinet affect your brain, and now you aren't quite human anymore. He came back into view, a heavy jute of crocodile clip in each hand, each trailing a cable back to the cabinet. I don't have a second cabinet, but I'm confident this sort of connection will do the trick. These may nip just a little. He paused, looked down at me. All sign of the person I thought I knew was gone. Professor, you're sweating. You're not just a teensy bit nervous, are you? How horrible. The clips bit into my flesh. There now. All comfy? he asked. Don't do this, Cody. We are friends. Are we, though? I found the ship, the cabinet. I pushed you into trying it that first time to save those children. If I hadn't set that fire, would you have ever gone into the cabinet? Without your powers, would you ever have met Rebecca? I've been your Alfred, the guy in the chair, the voice in your ear, the devil on your shoulder, through it all, every step of the way. And whenever I suggest I take a turn in the cabinet, it's too dangerous. It was designed for aliens. What it's done for me... That was an accident, a fluke. It could have done horrible things to you. Cody leaned over me again. Don't think I didn't hear that pause. You think it has done terrible things to me, how don't you? Oh, you've always thought so little of me. Your research assistant. Well, I gave you all your power. Literally made you the man you are. You think you are the real power? I'm. The real power. It shouldn't be about power. The only reason I went into the cabinet that first time, and again and again endured the pain, risked the people around me. It was to help people. It wasn't fame, glory, power. Just to help. Cody leaned forward until we were almost nose to nose. You just can't handle me being better, can you? I coughed. A thick billow of smoke escaped my lungs, enveloped Cody's head. What's this? What have you done? He staggered away, knees buckling underneath him. A gift from Leviathan. It's extremely fast-acting and viciously debilitating. I know. How? I cleared her diseases from your system. I must have relapsed. Leviathan floated in through the skylight. Hi, Cody. Nice to see you. Tom tells me you're feeling a little under the weather. She laughed. Finally, I have the right vector. You'll pay for all that you've done. She strode across the loft, motes of darkness and death glittering around her. No, I said. Get me out of these straps. I can fix this. Fix everything. But I could just kill him now she said and pouted. I need him alive, or I can't undo it. Fine. She danced around the table, undoing each strap as she passed it. As she passed Cody, she levelled a powerful kick in his ribs. Oops. I leapt from the table, scooped up Cody, pushed him into the cabinet. Him first, then me. See this button here? When I go in, you need to press it. And what will it do? Make things right, I hope. It's all guesses, it always has been. 
but this should reset all the changes the cabinet has ever made to us and i can't be certain there's no way to know for sure except just to try but in theory if it reverses the changes in us it should suppress all the changes it made to others because of us maybe hopefully and you'd really give all this up the flying the super strength the ice beam in a heartbeat when cody realized what this machine could do he saw what it could do for him make him more powerful raise him up above everyone else me i had the opposite reaction and there we have it. Uh, another story, another podcast. I really hope you enjoyed that. Uh, it is my uh, homage to superhero tales. And I don't know if you caught, but the, the different sort of uh, flashbacks that we see uh, within uh, the story are sort of intended to reflect uh, different eras of superhero storytelling. So we have a very uh, kind of ridiculous, I must stop you, Leviathan, uh, from Bastion on his motorbike at the start. Uh, but a much... Uh, grimmer and grittier kind of uh, 90s or later uh, superhero story for, for the sort of framing device. Um, so it's supposed to go through uh, the history of superheroes in there as well. Um, that was my conceit. Whether, whether it came across at all, I don't even know. But uh, I hope you enjoyed that. I hope you followed that because it's not uh, the easiest of stories to present uh, in podcast form. Anyway, uh, so that story, Law 3, is available as part of this anthology I was talking about, uh, Somebody Save Me, uh, available on Amazon right now, so go out and buy yourself a copy. Uh, you'll get my story uh, to read at your leisure and possibly understand better, uh, and uh, 11 other stories from uh, 11 other brilliant uh, superhero writers uh, also available. Uh, it's uh, uh, a good way to while away some time. Uh, thank you all very much for listening. Uh, I'll be back in January uh, with my uh, next podcast. Oh, and there should be uh, a, a Patreon-only podcast uh, going live in the next week or so uh, as well. Uh, so uh, if you want to hear more from me, uh, go join me on Patreon. Uh, and you can hear extra bonus content from me there. Anyway, yes, so I will be back in January, and I am intending, planning, hoping to have uh, the second half of Paint by Numbers ready by then. Uh, if not, I've got a, a sort of vague idea of what the other option might be, uh, but it's still coming, still on its way. Uh, anyway, uh, <laughs> I'm waffling. Uh, thanks for listening, and I will catch you next time. Cheers. Cheers.